Before we start this episode, I just want to say that our thoughts are with everybody impacted by the coronavirus and wish to give a continual thanks to all our frontline workers putting their lives at risk to serve their greater communities, to all our doctors, nurses, our incredible NHS staff in the UK, couriers, delivery drivers, teachers, store workers, and apologies if I forgot anybody, but just a huge thanks to everybody making sacrifices for the communities. Please keep safe, everyone, and hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome again, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and children of all ages. We are here at episode five of the Fumble Recovery Fantasy Football Podcast. We appreciate all the support, all the feedback, all the questions we've had to date. We've got a series of special episodes lined up now uh, where we're actually reaching out to our network of friends or friends of friends or heck, people we may have just met at a bar once. And we're trying to get feed, uh, well, trying to get uh, the views of fans of all 32 teams in the lead up to the NFL draft. So over the next three weeks, as we as we get to the draft, we're going to try and have representation from all 32 teams, um, you know, from fans who support the teams, assess what they think their draft needs are, focus on the fantasy element and the dynasty element of the players that are there currently, uh, how they think they're going to go on the draft. And um, it just, you know, be a unique insight into a fan's uh, perspective for each team. So today's episode will be focusing on the AFC East. Before we get started uh, with the first of our teams, just want to give a, a shout out to Regular Gonzalez for the song Chains, which is the intro music on our podcast. I'd also like to give a shout out to Natasha, uh, wife of Chigs, in keeping with tradition and say a continual thanks for uh, allowing, to Chig- allowing Chigs to work on this passion project. And finally, this time I'd also like to give a shout out to the NFL lads. A great bunch of fun-loving guys, massive American football fans based in the UK. Check them out on Facebook. They have loads of giveaways and freebies. Um, you know, over 30,000 followers, I think, as well. A great community to follow on Facebook. So check them out. That's the NFL Lads on Facebook and Instagram. Joining, joining me for episode five, uh, we have Chiggs. Hey, guys. Hey, Chiggs. And we have Mo. How's it going? Doing well, Mo. Paul's unable to join us for this episode, but he may be joining later or certainly for future episodes. So we'll we'll start with the AFC East. Okay, representing the New York Jets, the mighty New York Jets, we have a fan, uh, Migs, representing the Jets. How are you doing, Migs? Hey, guys, I'm good. Yourself? Yeah, we're doing well, thanks. So, Migs, tell us, how, how did you get to supporting the New York Jets? Oh, it's a it's a very convoluted story, but I think um, the the underlying theme is I'm a fan of the uh, the underdog underdogs in New York. So the Jets, the Mets, the Brooklyn Nets. Um, I, I I stay away from the um, the easy pick. So and also maybe some sort of masochism in there just to just to punish myself. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> very well. So tell us, Migs, how are you feeling going into the draft this year? Um, Jets have got some fairly early picks. I think you're 11, 48, and 60 um, in the picks. So how are you feeling leading into the draft? 
Um, it, it's hard to say at this moment in time. I know, the like you mentioned, they've got the 11th pick overall. They've got four picks in the first three rounds. And I think in, in free agency, they've been relatively active. They picked up like three offensive linemen, three offensive linemen starters. So they've got marginally better protection for Darnold and Le'Veon. They picked up Perriman to replace Robbie Anderson, who's gone to the Panthers. And rumored, though unlikely to happen, they are they do have the cap space to sort of maybe make a play on Jadavian Clowney, unlikely to happen, but they have the cash and and the need as well. So going into the draft, it, it seems they they're, they're very set on picking up one of the sort of elite young wide receivers that are available. I think the options are Judy, Lamb, Ruggs, any one of the three at 11, most likely to be Judy. And then rumoured also potentially to take a wide receiver in the second round as well. So they have needs and they've got the picks maybe to fill some of those needs. But it's it's very much, it's it's hard to say at this stage. It also depends who else they, they, they potentially sign in free agency. If they pick up a clowny or someone like that, then then... It's hard to say, basically. Okay. I think, yeah, you said like the wide receivers are the uh, are the key for the for the Jets, right? You know, Darnold showed some promise, um, sort of up and coming young quarterback. He's put up some good fantasy numbers, so a lot sort of resting on on his shoulders. Um, they've lost Robbie Anderson, um, so he needs some more weapons to throw to. Um, obviously. You guys know my thoughts um, on CD Lamb, my uh, my top wide receiver in this class. Absolutely love the guy, and if they can land him at pick eleven, you know that's, that's going to be a great weapon for for Donald to throw to. I, I was going to say, Mix, who who do you like best? You, you like are the top receivers coming out here? You got what CD Lamb, Riggs, and probably Judy. Out of those three, who would you like on on the Jets team? To be quite. Frank, I don't think you're going to go too far wrong with any of them. It's sort of, I, I, I don't, I, I haven't followed them enough to know, but I've, from the the highlights I've seen, from the clips I've seen, they all look pretty elite. And if anything, it seems like Judy will be the the, the first wide receiver picked, even if potentially he goes second to Washington, which seems a bit seems a bit crazy. It seems very high for him, especially with Chase Young available there, but. I have seen a few projections which suggest that. I don't think it's going to happen, so I think he will still be available when we pick at 11. Yeah, I totally agree there. Yeah, and I, I think of the if you look at the draft board, particularly in the first round, it's really when it gets to the Jets when the team's uh, probably looking at receiver. I mean, you could, could argue the Jags, but they've got a lot of needs. Uh, the Cardinals at eight picked up Nuke, so it's probably not a priority. But then you're looking at 11, 12, 13, and then the Broncos at 15, all in the market for receiver. So you've got a real advantage there, and it wouldn't be surprising if um, you know the Jets snipe somebody like C.D. Lamb from the Raiders at 12 or the uh, 49ers at 13, um, or, you know, I said the Broncos potentially at 15 as well. So I think at 11, you've got a good spot, a good chance to potentially get the number one receiver on the board then it comes down to management judgment and uh i know we're not all biggest fans of adam gase but <laughs> you'd think that he's hopefully got a good team around him to help him yeah it's it's it, it, um i think especially with a young quarterback and a franchise sort of type well future franchise quarterback 
you've seen in Arizona with Kyler, they've got him Hopkins. In Buffalo, they've got Allen. They've shown they've acquired digs for Allen. I think you need to support a young franchise quarterback with a go-to receiver. And in free agency, the Jets haven't done that. They were very tight with Robbie Anderson. From what I, from what I've read, I think he ended up moving to Panthers for twelve million, and the Jets were pretty stuck at ten million for him. So it's they have they definitely have a need there, and especially if you're looking to build a franchise around Donald, you need to give him the options. And it it sort of suggests that they are committed to two receivers in the first two picks. So. We as well. We, is that they're going that way? They picked up um, Brashad Perriman as well, right? So you know, given his end to last season, you know, this guy was a first round pick by by the Ravens. You know, hasn't quite delivered yet, but sort of showed some promise last season towards the end. You know, going into the fantasy playoffs, if he can continue that, they add another receiver. You got Chris Herndon coming back as well. I think they've got some good weapons there for Don. I actually. You know, if they, if they get it right, I can actually see Sam Darnold having a sort of a very good season. Um, you know, for a, a dynasty quarterback and a superflex, you could actually did, be looking to build your team around him. Did you, Did you see the? I think the tweet or the statement Perryman gave. He said uh, last year was just a sneak peek. What about the uh, the, the three four years before that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think I, I think you left that out. Yeah, I think Perryman's. Um... A strange one in the sense that in the when I think Mike Evans went down, he had a three or four week stretch where he was one of the top point scoring receivers. But even in such a young career, he does have a bit of a journeyman tag to him at this stage. He's been at three separate franchises in under four or five years or something like that. So he's done it for a short period of time, but can he deliver for a whole season? And he was signed to replace Robbie Anderson as a cheaper option. So he's I wouldn't be building. I wouldn't be billing him as a wide receiver one, but he adds depth. Let's just say that much. Yeah, and he picked up Doxon as well, but he's been uh, he's done nothing so far in his career. But you know, maybe there's a resurrection. Not that I think Adam Gase is the man to ever give anyone a resurrection, but uh... <laughs> I'm going to play devil's advocate here, and I'm I'm going to say it's very easy to slam Adam Gase for his for his record his 30 and 34 overall head coach record but you've got to remember three of those seasons were with the dolphins were perennial rebuilders and he is the quarterback whisperer even with a seasoned painter manning who you don't really have to say much to he still delivered some of Peyton's best numbers if, if you think of any correlation between his numbers and gaze's comments and also uh, if you have had a chance you should google adam gaze and i think the third option is adam gaze eyes which are a reference to his his unveiling <laughs> conference. He looked very wide that day, and maybe they can bring that intensity to the to the franchise. Yeah, let's see. I mean, as I said, definitely looks like you'll be targeting at least one receiver, as you're saying, possibly two. I'd be surprised if you use both of your first two picks on receiver, just because there are some other team needs, like on the defense. You know, corner, edge, um, missed out on. Somebody like a, uh, well, sorry, you know, uh, yeah, you missed out on somebody like a Byron Jones. Uh, you said you're in the market for potentially Clowney. If that comes through, then you'll have more of a presence um, through the middle. But, uh, and then at running back, you're still heavily invested in Lev Bell. So probably would, wouldn't be targeting an early RB. But I think that room does need a bit of support 
wouldn't surprise me if there's a day three running back that the Jets try and snap up. Because at the moment, behind Bell, you've got, what, Cannon and, like, Kenneth Dixon. So nothing to write home about. So what do you think of Le'Veon Bell's prospects this season? You know, he's obviously the clear, clear, clear running back there. You know, he should get um, the volume again. The well, best in the O-line. Yeah, yeah, I think I think Le'Veon is sort of in the PPR style leagues. He's he's projected as like running backs somewhere around the 17-18 mark. And I think if anything, he's a year he's a year further in. He's a little bit more settled in New York. He has a better O line, a more there's a bit more depth to the O line this year. So maybe there's a there's a bit, a bit better protection for him. And if we do draft well in um, in the first two rounds, and we have a credible wide receiver threat. It does improve his own sort of potential run catch statistics. However, I think for fantasy purposes, you're you're looking at Le'Veon as a sort of RB two prospect this year. He's probably a late second round, maybe even a third round, maybe for for most in most eight man leagues. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. in our dynasty mock draft, he I don't even I mean, he didn't even make the first four rounds. So he's he's a guy that I would be targeting heavily in the sort of fifth round of a dynasty startup for sure. You know, we talked about it on the last episode, but you know, you get to that drop off after the the elite running backs. But after after those, if you don't pick up one of those top four or five guys, I'm going to wait and you know try to pick up a Lev Bell in sort of round five. You know, the Kenyon Drakes, Todd Gurley's, but of all those guys, I think. You know, Lev Bell, talent-wise, you know, hopefully he's had a season to sort of settle in there now as well, and they kind of work well together this season. You had weapons for him. You know, I think he could be a, a league winner for people if you can, if you can get him in the fifth. Yeah, I'd argue that Le'Veon Bell is still an elite running back, but just in a very unfavorable situation at the moment. And maybe if with a few more credible threats, like I mentioned, he suddenly starts delivering a Maybe not as consistently as he was at the Steelers, but maybe he could be he could have game-winning weeks in fantasy terms. So, but again, again, it will all depend on how 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 the draft goes pans out. Yeah, and you know, you you mentioned the uh, O line upgrades that you've got. I mean, one of those, unfortunately for Yumo, was uh, Van Rotten, who is you know very good right tackle yeah, at Panthers. Panthers last year. So not only will that help Donald and hopefully he doesn't see ghosts like he did against the Patriots last year, or was it having nightmares or whatever? whatever that fair, people did, right? The Patriots did as well. <laughs> yeah, they didn't want to look silly. It, it, it was great, but it could also help Bell uh, in particular, as short as his window might be. Uh, Migs, I really appreciate you uh, coming on here to talk about your beloved Jets. Uh, appreciate your time. And... Um, Good luck to the Jets in the upcoming draft and upcoming season. Thanks again. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks, Thanks Biggs. Okay, so next up, representing the AFC East is the very popular uh, New England Patriots. And representing the Patriots, we have Cash. Cash, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks. I'm good, thanks. Hello to all your listeners. Thanks for joining us, Cash. So... Let's have it. How did you get to supporting the Patriots? Well, it's, it's a funny one. This I actually, well, I got into American football, or just football, I guess, uh, through Chiggs, uh, one of your co-hosts, uh, who's a friend of mine from, from university. Uh, actually, was, I was just at his place at his apartment probably about 10 years ago, 
uh, and a game was on and he was sort of getting into it. And then that led on to me doing a bit of research on, uh, uh, frankly speaking, the closest team to my house. And as the as the uh, as the bird crow flies, it's actually oh, the New Patriots. That, that, your, oh come on! <laughs> Nobody's going to believe that, can? Bandwagon, bandwagon. Yeah. So uh, sometimes you get lucky with these things. Uh, it, it, it was it was partly that. It was also partly uh, they were good for a number of years while I was while I got into the sport. Uh, and I really got into it during the kind of Wes Walker and those days. And then, and you know, at that time, I didn't really understand the positioning. I didn't really understand the tactics or anything, but uh, they were often on TV. Uh, so that's how I got into it. And then uh, obviously that led into the fantasy football, uh, which again was Chiggs is doing. So uh, he's cost me a lot of my free time. <laughs> time well spent. And now you're just as addicted as uh, the rest of us because um, I think you're in multiple dynasty leagues as well. I know you're in our tight ends league that we often refer to and you're joining our IDP league that I'm starting this year. That's right. That will be interesting as well. So uh, it will make all of us uh, hopefully more knowledgeable about the defensive position and looking forward to it. But I think I've learned my lesson from uh, the last season and I need to cut down the number of leagues I'm in. <laughs> so, so me and Cash, uh, we took over an orphan team in a in a contract dynasty IDP league. Um, so you know, complete rebuild. Well, it was actually um, it was a dispersal draft. So we got the feel for um, drafting um, you know defensive players and basically blowing a team up and starting again, which is quite fun. Um, so yeah. So, so, so as the new league goes, you guys are the veterans then. Of IDP, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'd say it's a probably myself and Paul, um, but I don't think that really reads into much, you know, given a uh, Paul's record over the years as we've uh, as we've covered on this podcast many times. Exactly, uh, poor Paul he can't even be here to defend himself. <laughs> hey, listen, if you can't turn up for the podcast to defend yourself, you're going to get slammed, right? That's right. Where are you, Paul? <laughs> okay, Cash. So, a uh, big draft coming up, it seems, uh, for the Patriots. And obviously, a very landmark um, season coming up, having just lost Tom Brady. So, what are your thoughts going into the draft and how you think the Pats are going to go? Yes, yeah, so, uh, there's a lot of uh, discussion online about this as well. And, you know, I, I'm one of those guys that goes online and goes onto those Patriots forums and uh, talks to other fans on Facebook and so on. Uh, and everybody has differing views, but here's my take on it. Uh, I don't, I see quarterback as a need, but uh, I don't know if this is going to be the draft where they address it in terms of a long term position. I mean, we, we all know quarterback's a bit of a coin toss anyway. And there's plenty of examples of first round picks who didn't pan out and third, fourth, fifth sixth round picks 199th even who panned out very well so uh my my view is quarterback is probably the most pressing need but something that could be addressed maybe in the draft after this uh i'm not advocating we tank uh, and i don't think uh, i don't think bill belichick is the tanking type uh, uh and 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 actually taking it to the other side of the board talking about the defence. I think the Patriots defence lost a couple of key players this offseason, but it's still an elite defence, and I think that defence will carry them to enough wins to probably not be in the tank for tank for Trevor category. Uh, so, yeah, quarterback, but I think it's something that might be addressed uh, either later on in the draft this year, uh, maybe a day two pick, uh, uh, or possibly uh, sometime next year. So, so as we... 
I was going to say, any quarterbacks who you think they, they might be eyeing the second round there? Uh, I think someone like Jacob Eason, uh, Jake Fromm. Uh, it wasn't that long ago Jake Fromm was, was being projected as sort of a first-round, high first-round pick. Um, so, so I think some, you know, sort of a, a project quarterback uh, such as those two uh, may work. I know there's a lot of talk about Jordan Love, possibly, if he drops far down enough to the Patriots' first-round pick. Um, but even on that, uh, having seen how Bill Belichick likes to operate, I think he will probably trade down from that pick 23 to, to build up some, some more draft capital. Uh, we haven't got a second-round pick at the moment. That was lost in the trade for Mohamed Sanu. So I, I wouldn't get put it past Bill Belichick to, to trade down, uh, not take a quarterback with that 23rd pick, uh, and take one on, on, on day two. Nice. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting season. So you, you think it's going to be Stidham uh, backed up by Brian Hoyer then, for most likely for this season? That's right. And I know Stidham's a bit of an unknown quantity. He's, uh, I think he's, he had about four pass attempts last year, one of which was an interception. But uh, I, the, the news coming out of, and you know, when you read all the, all the blogs and all the Boston Press articles, uh, it seems like he's a, he's a bit of a favorite. And, and he did be very well with kind of the scout team last year. Uh, and I, I, so I think I think Josh McDaniels is also very keen on him. So I wouldn't be surprised if they went with Stidham this year uh, as a bit of a stopgap. See what they've got. If he's good, he's good, and you've got your next quarterback. If he's not, this can be addressed in the draft next year. Um, so, but it's probably the first time in, in in all the years I've been a fan where I'm not expecting us to be in the playoffs. Wow, because that was going to be my question. Do you think? You're going to make the playoffs. So, so who do you think wins the division this year? The Bills? I think the Bills. Uh, I think that I think the Bills have got are quietly building quite a good team here. So, uh, I'd put it as as between the Patriots and the Bills, but I don't think it's as dead set as it used to be. Oh, really? I, I was thinking Bills or Dolphins. I think Dolphins are creeping right up there. I think the Dolphins maybe give them another season. Maybe they can contend for a wild card spot, but. I can't see the Patriots not being in the playoffs with that defense. You know, and Belichick as the coach, you know, he will still get it done. It just doesn't look just incomprehensible not having the Patriots in the playoffs. I mean, it's weird enough seeing you guys pick 23. You're normally 31 or 32. So seeing, seeing you at pick 23 is strange enough. Yeah, I, I think it's one of these where uh, if we don't make the playoffs, I don't think it'll be a surprise. Uh, uh, that's how I see it. Um, but it is still, and you know, this will always be up for debate. I think we are still, uh, you know, amongst the weakest uh, uh, divisions uh, in the NFL. So uh, the Patriots, a weakened Patriots, is still probably a very good team in that context. <coughs> Adam Gase. <coughs> what do you okay. think of? Um... See the last year's first round pick in Kill Harry, he obviously didn't really do anything last year. You know, he's being taken very early in rookies in rookie drafts from a fantasy perspective. Um, do you think he's going to deliver in sort of season two or? Yeah, it's a good question actually. So I was going, I was coming on to the wide receiver core, and it it is really only Junior Lenderman, who is I think thirty four now. Uh, Mohamed Sunu, who, who I quite like, and he was a, he was injured last year, so his stats weren't that good. Um, he missed quite a lot of time. He missed a lot of training as well, and I think another year in the system, we might see you know a very good Mohamed Sunu this year. Uh, and then Nikhil Harry is basically the third, uh, and and pretty much the only 
wide receiver option. I know we've got Jacoby Myers as well. Um, uh, we've got Matthew Slater, but he plays mostly special teams. So, yeah, how I see it is I think he will make a step up. Uh, he had he, he dealt with injury for, for a lot of the season. He had limited chances to play. Uh, he made the, the mistake you never make with Bill Belichick where he had a couple of key drops, and uh, the punishment for that was basically less snaps. But uh, when he did play, he, he actually caught a couple of... Uh, uh, pretty good catches and touchdown passes from Brady. So uh, I'm quite I'm quite sort of uh, bullish on, on Nikhil Harry. And I think uh, him and Jared Stidham might end up surprising uh, a lot of people. Hmm. I like that. Interesting. And then what about tight end? It was really strange seeing a Patriots team not relying on the tight end last year. I know nobody really stood out, but what do you thought? You think you're going to draft somebody as a project or... You think any one of the, I think you've got what, Lacoste, Izzo, and is it Jacob Johnson there? Do you think any of them can develop into a reliable receiver? In short, no. Uh, I think all, all three of them are pretty terrible tight ends. Uh, and and uh, it's, 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 uh, it's ironic because I think uh, we could have probably now in hindsight hung on to Jacob Hollister, who actually came to the Patriots practice squad and ended up playing uh, in a fairly well for the Seahawks last year. But um, I don't think any of the current Titans are going to be there uh, in, the, in the next year or two. So I, my view is I think Bill Belichick will definitely draft a Titan. It probably won't be with that first-round pick because uh, Cole Komet seems to be the only Titan who's you know, garnering any sort of hype in this year's class. Last year, we had quite a long, quite a strong draft class for tight ends. Um, ideally, what you'd want is, and I think what, what it will probably end up doing is draft a couple of tight ends uh, and hope one sticks. So uh, best case, you get a Rob Gronkowski, Aaron Hernandez kind of situation from the 2010 draft class. Highly unlikely, but that's sort of your best case scenario. Um, otherwise, I think he picks up a couple of tight ends and then probably a, a one or two in, in the undrafted tight end class, uh, brings them all out to practice camp and, and sees, sees if he's anyone, anyone there he likes. But it might be another weak position. And actually, I think that might be the weak link in the offense again next year. Interesting. Ah, okay, nice, Cash. Nice. Sorry, Mo, go on. Oh, no, I was just saying, uh, great analysis there. I like it. Yeah. Well, Cash, we appreciate you having you on. Uh, appreciate you joining, I should say. Um, you know, thanks for good analysis on the Patriots. And, um, I mean, good luck to the Pats in the draft. And uh, well, I can't say I really mean this, but also... Oh, oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I am nothing if not honest. <laughs> no, oh, but thanks again, it. Cash. Uh, and we'd, we'd love to have you on during the season to give your uh, views on how things are going as well. Yeah, likewise. Awesome pod- podcast, guys. Uh, I look forward to it every week. Uh, and uh, yeah, pleasure to be on the, on the show with you guys. Before I leave, uh, here's here's a here's a not something you say very often, but I'm pretty sure there will be one pick in the draft that the Patriots will make, and it'll be a kicker. <laughs> I, I don't even That's know. Right. Uh, I don't even know the the, the draft class. Uh, what type of kickers they have out there? Oil I have no idea who it's going to be, but yeah, they released Steve Gostowski, uh, which I was actually quite sad to read about. But uh, yeah, yeah, I think probably the second greatest kicker uh, that I, I've ever watched uh, with Adam Vinatieri. So it's funny, isn't it? Because actually, uh, the Patriots special teams have always been a real sort of strong suit. And I think last year, the amount of kickers they sort of they were cutting a kicker on a weekly basis. It was um, yeah, it was never seen anything like it from the Patriots. So. 
Yes, there you have it. So a, a surprise pick this year will be a, a kicker for the Patriots. Time to look out for. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, Cash, uh, thanks again for joining. And um, good luck in all your fantasy leagues. And also good luck to the Patriots. Thanks Speak very much. Soon. Pleasure. Awesome. Cheers, Cash. Cheers. Bye-bye. Thanks. Okay, next up in the AFC East, we have the Buffalo Bills. And representing the Bills, we have a good friend, Steve Cerrone. Steve, how are you doing? Um, as uh, good as can be expected at this time. That's right. Very uh, interesting times indeed. So, Steve, how did you get to supporting the Bills? Let the listeners know. Um, well, I kind of fall into the camp of support your local team. So um, I was born in Rochester, New York, and the Buffalo Bills would be my local team much to pretty much everyone else in my family's dismay. Um, my dad's a Giants fan, brother's a Giants fan. Got a lot of um, Philadelphia Eagles fans as well, which is really bizarre. I don't entirely understand how that all came about. Um, but yeah, I've got a lot of, we've got a lot of AFC East competition in the family too. We've got some Dolphins fans and some family members are Patriots fans. So it can get a little bit, little bit heated at certain points in the year. So, so nobody's a Jets fan then? Uh, no, no Jets fans. Fair enough, no Jets fans. <laughs> it's probably a good thing. So, Steve, how are you feeling going into the draft and also with the um, free agency moves that the Bills made for this year? Yeah, I'm, to be honest with you, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm, I'm kind of happy with the pickup of Diggs, um, especially considering just the situation at the moment, um, bringing a guy in who's a veteran who kind of can get up to speed quick and who's you kind of already know what he can do for us. So I felt pretty happy with that acquisition. It's going to make maybe the draft slightly less interesting. Um, although Brandon Bean can be aggressive, he's not afraid of trading up. So who knows? We could end up back in the first round if there's someone that he desperately wants. But I'm kind of not expecting him to be quite so aggressive this year. So, so let's have it. Be honest. You think you're winning the division this year? Oh, that's a bold statement. Uh, as long as Bill Belichick's still there, um, I'm certainly not going to be crowning us anytime soon, especially based on the last sort of two decades of what we've put on the field. So, yeah. It's exciting no, it's to be a Bills fan. You know, the playoff run last year, you know, they're building something quite nice there. Obviously, we watched a few games together, Steve, and you know, they're, they're, they're looking good. They're, you know, Josh Allen, you know, you've got Diggs now. They've quietly gone about their business. How well? How confident yeah, are you in Josh Allen's throwing abilities? Well, I think he's he's got a little bit of Uncle Rico in him. I think he could throw <laughs> it uh, over the next mountain. But um, yeah, it'd be nice to see him maybe being a little bit more accurate on the actual field. Um, he's really like year one. He actually did quite good with the deep ball year one. All things considered, we had another rookie, uh, Robert Foster who emerged as sort of a, a deep threat. And then that all just disappeared in the off season. I don't know what he did in the off season, but it completely disappeared. He just couldn't consistently hit on the deep ball. One of the things that I was quite happy about with Stefan Diggs coming in, um, I watched a little bit of him last year and he's really good at contested catches, which is what you want when you have uh, a quarterback who might struggle a bit with accuracy. So um, I was pretty happy. That's one of the parts of his game that I think is going to be uh, good for us. Yeah, and you've got a, quite, a quietly sort of a scary offense there now with Josh Allen. I think Singletary looks like a very good 
running back. Um, I don't know if you're going to keep him, but you've still got Frank Gore there, who is ageless. And then in the receiving game, you mentioned Diggs, of course, but then you've got um, John Brown, who was really good last year and seemed to come across as the number one weapon for Josh Allen. Uh, Cole Beasley in the slot, who I think is a very underrated receiver. And then you mentioned a couple of the speedsters like Foster, and I think you've got McKenzie, who's predominantly special teams, but uh, I think you've got a quite a well-balanced offense there. Diggs sort of looks like the final piece of the puzzle at the moment. Yeah, that was. Um, I think that was a lot of people's feelings last season. We just we didn't have a clear number one. Um, I think. The aim was to try to see if um, maybe Smoke could step up and be our number one receiver. And I mean, he did play. He did play really well for us, but just never. It's difficult to say, like maybe whether our receivers were actually getting the separation that we needed, or just maybe Josh wasn't making the right reads on the field. It was a bit unclear what was going on. Part of our challenge, I think, was offensive line, and um, that improved as the year went on. And I think kind of. One of the things we might be looking at this year from a draft perspective, they might go offensive line again. Um, we still have gaps. It's still not a really solid crew. And I think that could be a, one of our strong area. Again, not really a sexy pick, but um, that's definitely one of our areas where we, we kind of need a bit of help. I think yeah. the Bills you know, look like they're going they're going for it though, right? With that, what they paid to get Stefan Diggs rather than waiting for one of the sort of talented rookies in this class you know to, to pay that that amount to get digs in it shows they're kind of they're, they're serious about making a run this year right yeah i think so um i i had a i remember reading an article recently they went through and actually chalked up the value of the pick and when you put together i, I know there was a lot of draft picks that were thrown into the mix but when you look at the actual overall value of it it's kind of the number of picks make it seem higher than it actually is in a way. And it's really the almost the equivalent of trading up in the first round a bit. And if they had someone they really wanted to go for, it's really the equivalent of trading up in the first round. And we, we were fortunate we had a few extra picks there from some of the off-season trades we made um, last year. So we didn't really spend too heavily out of our draft capital in a way to get a player that I, I guess our guys felt was pretty much a, a home run for us rather than maybe gambling on someone in the first round. So it's kind of why I don't I don't feel too bad about the move. I don't think we don't think we sold ourselves too too badly on that one. Yeah, and I also like a couple of moves you made on defense in free agency. So you signed DJ Gaines, you've got uh, Josh Norman who at one point was uh, I think he made the certainly the pro bowl. He might have even been all pro, but uh, you know, very very talented player. Didn't look great at Washington, but they were a uh, bad team it's and, diff uh, different scheme though too totally different scheme. yeah this, and oh, no, I, was, I was gonna I say was like, gonna yeah, yeah the, the panthers this is like the bills are an extension of the panthers and he's going back to his defensive coordinator which played the zone type of defense um oh, i think you're gonna be awesome in defense uh i mean yeah you're literally like an extension of the panthers team so i'm rooting for you guys yeah i was thinking about that we've got we've got a very clear pipeline between the two of us um I know there's there's been a lot of Bills fans who have not necessarily enjoyed it, but I mean, one of the things I really liked about the Panthers going back a few years ago was their defense, and um, you know we're, we're sort of we're getting some of the value out of that in terms of getting those players who maybe aren't the most flashy players, but they're the solid players who kind of hold it down and create the right culture that you need in your locker room. Um, so I'm pretty I'm pretty happy with what we've been picking up. 
as you mentioned earlier, EJ Gaines. I mean, he's he was with us before. Um, he got injured and ultimately sort of, I think, waived. Um, he had like an injury settlement and ended up with the Browns maybe. And he's just a good depth signing. Norman is an unknown. As you say, he, he didn't really seem to set the world on fire the last few years. But uh, we'll sort of see yeah, if he comes back and is in a more favorable scheme, how that works for him. I think he's got a fairly friendly contract compared to what it could have been. So, um, yeah, we've, we've, bearing in mind our defense was pretty solid anyway. We have lost a few people, but the replacements we've made, I think, have more than made up for what we've lost. So I think we've ended up with a slightly stronger squad as well, which is nice to see. Yeah, I think one player who probably didn't get as much praise or as much recognition as he deserved, and that's probably because of having Stefan Gilmore at the Patriots, but Tredavious White was just fantastic last year. He really was a shutdown corner, and you could see that quarterbacks were scared to throw in his direction. Yeah, and he's got dance moves, you know. That's, I think <laughs> maybe it is. He's got some intimidating dance moves. That always helps, of course. Well, I, I think this could be a very exciting season for the Bills. Um, so don't want to quite anoint you as the um, winners of the AFC East, but this could be the window. And our friend who was on previously, uh, who's a Patriots fan, made a good point that Patriots' uh, projected cap space is not very good. So it's not even like they've got a lot of cap room to bring in loads of players. So this could be a nice window, but... Uh, I think we're all very nervous about ruling out the Patriots. So appreciate any nervousness oh. from your end as a fan. Oh, 100% would never rule them out. Um, I mean, they've done some unprecedented things, really. Um, I really wish that they weren't in my division. <laughs> but um, I think I mean, when, I, when I watch some of the moves that the Dolphins made in the offseason, I think the Dolphins have made some really great moves. And I think they've got a really exciting head coach as well. So I... I don't really like seeing them doing well. That makes me kind of nervous. Um, and the Jets, it's who knows what you're ever going to have with the Jets. So, yeah, I don't I don't feel like I want to just step out and say that we got this. I just I like the last sort of three to four years now what's been put in place from a culture perspective. Uh, it's been missing for a long time. Um, so the culture's changed, and that's really helping turn things around. And I think they're getting the right sort of blue-collar players in that we need that kind of can grind it out. And then you start looking at the trades like Diggs and other names that are a bit maybe a bit more flashy, and they could just be the missing pieces that we need to really truly compete. And if we can just steal a few games in our division, um, yeah, it, the AFC East becomes a lot more interesting rather than the Patriots maybe just constantly dominating every year and picking up sort of five or six wins. If it's a bit more of an even spread, then it, it does make the AFC East a lot more interesting as a division. For sure, agreed. Most uh, most important question here. It's part of the Bills Mafia. How many tables are you going to break this year? All of them. Every All single right. table. I see. That's the right answer right there. you got to love that Bills Mafia. What, what a fan base. And just the, the fans showing up when the Bills made the playoffs in absolutely freezing weather. Uh, I think uh, Josh Allen posted about it as well. It was it just what a fan base. So, um, yeah, a lot of love for the Bills and the fans in particular. Yeah, they're they're a good bunch. I'm 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 proud to be uh proud to be one of them. Uh, I haven't actually jumped through any tables, um, not yet. Anyway, the Super Bowl, right? Super Bowl, I might. Yeah, I think if you win the Super Bowl, Walmart 
not going to be able to stock enough tables across the country <laughs> for the Bills Mafia. <laughs> I think I might jump through one with you, Steve, if the Bills win it this year. Yeah, I mean, that definitely. I think I'd be up for that. I'd be so full of pizza. <laughs> So, Steve, just want to say a big thanks uh, for joining and giving your insights on the Bills. I think could be an exciting season ahead. Just before you leave, would you like to just plug your band and uh, give give the listeners you know, information on your band and how they can listen to you? Oh, yeah, I could do, actually. Yeah, play drums in a band called The Knievel Dead. Um, you can find our stuff on Bandcamp. Um yeah, uh, we just released an EP recently. Um, it took a lot longer than it should have, an embarrassingly long amount of time. Uh, but I'm very proud of it. And uh, yeah, thanks for, for mentioning that. It's a great plug. I look forward to seeing you guys live when um, when these lockdowns and self-quarantine and isolation and all that ends. So good luck with the EP. And thanks again for joining. And good luck to the Bills this year. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Last but not least in the AFC East, we have the Miami Dolphins. And representing the Miami Dolphins, we have Jack Milewski. How are you doing, Jack? Good, good. How are you, Amir? Yeah, very good. It's been a while since we met, but we met uh, when you were over in London filming for Quiet Sundays, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, we met completely unbeknownst to us that we were going to meet you during that trip. But... uh, yeah, we were part of a documentary crew, students at Penn State, um, kind of filming our, our first documentary ever, a uh, student-run documentary on NFL fans in London. And uh, you and your group were wearing your, your fancy dress, the Jaguars gear, so you stuck out to us, and we put a camera on you, and suddenly we were sharing beers in a pub and completely forgetting about the documentary, and, and that's kind of how things went. Um, it was a lot of fun. Uh, and yeah, now we're talking fantasy football a couple years removed from that. Um, but that was a, a cool way to, to introduce myself to London football fans and certainly much more than I expected getting out of that documentary experience. Yeah, and I, I know it's so childish, but we couldn't help but giggle that the two people who came to the pub with us were Jack and Jill. So <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> we had a lot of cheap we laughs. We did any better, I don't think. And of course, you learned what naked means as well, right? So yeah, yeah, I I knew that in English terms. Um, I didn't know that in in London terms. I guess I should say I, I knew that in American terms. I didn't know that in UK terms. But uh, I I was more than happy to to neck it a couple times during that visit. Um, I had I'd gotten practice at Penn State, so I, I don't think I stuck out too poorly on that. So I'm going to sidetrack for a moment because um, me, Chiggs, and Mo, who are on the call, we've. <clears throat> gone to see a few college games but we keep hearing about how Penn State is one that we have to have to go so any any tips for us novices if and when we do go to watch a Penn State game yeah um I mean the first tip would be it hopefully it's a a when not an if because uh, I went to Penn State so obviously there's some bias involved but if you hear it from people outside of Penn State that it's still one of the best places to go you know it's true um I would recommend going to a night game if you can. Uh, and if you can, going to the annual whiteout game. Um, everyone wears white. It's about 110,000 people wearing white and standing and screaming for four hours straight. Um, and it's like nothing you've ever seen before. I'm not lying when I say it's the craziest sports environment I've been in um, uh, out of any sport. And uh, if you go to Penn State, I know you guys have done tailgating. I know you guys have done NFL tailgating. 
Um, you haven't done anything like a Penn State tailgate. I can I can promise you that much. Uh, if the game's at 8 p.m., you'll start at about 7 a.m., and you will tailgate till about an hour before the game when you have to go in and get your seats. So be prepared for a long day. Bring a water bottle. Bring a, a camelback if you want to hydrate a lot because you're going to need it to, to stay up all night and watch the game. But, yeah, it's a, it's a marathon, but it's well worth it. It sounds like my kind of game. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You've got everything. I'm up for that. Chigs, Mo, you both in? Yeah, definitely. Oh, for sure. Just need a little cot for the na- afternoon nap now these days. <laughs> <laughs> nap at the tailgate. Okay, and uh, so, Jack, you are here representing the Miami Dolphins. How did you get to supporting the Dolphins? What are your sort of roots? Yeah, uh, I was uh, a Dolphins fan since birth, largely because of my dad. Um, I-, I just took after every sports team that my dad uh, rooted for as well. And so he was a Dolphins fan right when they became an expansion team. Uh, he was a big Shula guy and a big Dan Marino guy. And so he started following them right from the moment they, they became a team in the late 60s. Um, obviously had some great years there in the early going with the, the 70s and the undefeated team um, and multiple Super Bowls. And uh, ever since I've been a Dolphins fan, unfortunately, our highlight is uh, winning the division once since uh, about 2000, I believe. And somehow Chad Pennington outdueled the Patriots and, and Tom Brady one year. But other than that, it hasn't been great. But hopefully things are turning around here soon. So before we get into the details of some of the moves and the picks, are you feeling quietly confident that you can either win the division or finish ahead of the Patriots? I'm not going to jump ahead and say winning the division or uh, even beating the Patriots this year. I I just I'm quietly confident because last year was much better than I expected. Um, It was a a terrible start, but that was kind of what everyone expected going 0-7 and just getting blown out in a couple of the first games. But down the stretch, they were one of the more fun teams to watch, I think. And uh, all the confidence in the world for the first time in a long time, I think they have the right guy as a head coach. And so I, I think that's going to make a big difference in the coming years. And of course, he comes from the Belichick learning tree. And <laughs> you've certainly signed a lot of uh, expatriates this offseason as well. I've got to say, having watched, <clears throat> I've just loved some of the free agency moves you've made. Um, it's exactly what you've been planning for over the last year or two, giving yourself not only cap space, but also a load of picks, which we'll go on to. I mean, some of the ones that stand out are like Eric Flowers, Byron Jones, of course, great signing. You also got Shaq Lawson, Manuel Ogba, and then Carl Van Noy, who <clears throat> I can only ever picture in a Patriots uniform. So that would be, um, that'd be interesting. Yeah, I like uh, most of the signings. And like you said, they had the cap space to do it. Um, they, they still need more offensive line help. I think Flowers uh, and Ted Karras are, are starts there, but they definitely need some more offensive line help. Um, the biggest thing for me is they've got a lot of money locked up right now in quarterbacks in, in Xavier Howard and Byron Jones. But if Howard can get back to what he was two years ago and Byron Jones can kind of continue to build off what he's been doing the last couple of years, you're going to have one of the, the best quarterback do du- or excuse me, cornerback duos in the league. And then I think Shaq Lawson was also a sneaky good signing. Uh, he's not going to blow you out with his numbers in terms of 15, 16 sacks a year, but he's going to get you probably six and a half to nine sacks um, a year. And I think he's a really good depth edge rusher for them to have as well. Chiggs, we went to add something. Yeah. No, I mean, I completely agree on the on the cornerback pairing. You know, that, that arguably is the best cornerback pairing in the league. Um, as you say, the O-line was probably a bit of a weakness last year. The run game was non-existent. You know, so if you can get some help there, 
um, get that run game going again. You know, we're going to come on to it, but the the receiving core is actually quite a nice young receiving core. Like Devante Parker sort of stepped up finally, sort of last year, and showed you know what that potential was there. Preston Williams was look really nice, having a nice season before he got injured. So, you know, I think we've all said it. We were quietly confident in the the Dolphins are building something nice and going to have a good season. Yeah, absolutely. So, so at number five, who are you guys looking at here? You guys going QB, like all the projections, Tua here? Yeah, I, I would, you know, I, I think it's interesting with the Dolphins is they they need a QB because as fun as it is going to be to watch Ryan Fitzpatrick this year, and I absolutely <laughs> love Fitzmagic. Um, he's 37. He's not the guy. Uh, he's just a, a kind of a stopgap until they find the QB. And I don't have any confidence in the other two below that they would suddenly break out and, and become a number one. Um, if Tua is there at five, I would take him. I've also seen a lot of projections that say maybe they try to get Herbert at five. I would not take Herbert. If you're not going to get Tua, if you're not going to get Burrow, I wouldn't take a quarterback in this draft if you're the Dolphins. And I, I think they're in the position where they're still a couple years away from being a serious contender. They don't have to try to reach and get their quarterback of the future in this draft. But if Tua or Burrow falls to you at five, there's no reason not to take them. No, I like that. Yeah, I think the thing the worry might be is whether the Chargers trade up above you, and if they take Tua, because they need a QB as well, um, <clears throat> and if they trade up to take Tua, then as you say, it leaves you in that awkward position where Herbert may not be the guy. Mm-hmm. So is I mean, you've got a load of draft capital this year. Do you think there's merit to trading up to one or two from the five? Yeah, and I think I, I I would if I was the Dolphins and I, I kind of got that sense that a team might be trying to poach Tua or Burrow. Um, I, I, th- I think that based on what I've heard, they seem to want Tua over Joe Burrow. Um, and I uh, other than this year, you know, Burrow had an amazing year. If Tua stayed healthy, he was going to be right with him in terms of the stats. I like Tua better because Burrow has had one good year. Tua's had two and a half really, really good years. Um, yes, Tua had probably two of the best wide receivers in Alabama history, but Joe Burrow also had one of the most explosive and dynamic offenses in college football history. So I'm not fully convinced that was all Joe Burrow. I do think it was a lot to do with the scheme and the way the offense was set up as well. Um, both I think are good picks, but I would trade up for Tua because I think the Dolphins have too often waited or tried to find a guy in the fifth and sixth round and turn him into a project and eventually groom him at some point you gotta trade your assets and make a leap for a guy you think is going to be around for seven eight nine years yeah especially with the moves you've made and the picks you've accumulated i mean just looking here you've got three first round picks two seconds and a third as well so a lot to play with um I just feel as an outsider looking in, this could be a window where you really want to just sort of go for it. I think you've got a great head coach, as you say, made some really good signings and you've left cap space for more if you want. So um, interesting times. And uh, Dynamic team, we didn't actually mention Mike Kosicki, right? You know, he he really came on last year. I'm a big, big fan of his. Um, you know, he's a Penn State uh, tight end as well, right? Yeah, Gesicki, former Penn Stater, um, and he was a he was a slow developer at Penn State too. He was uh, he was actually a, an all state basketball player and an all state volleyball player in high school. So he's a freak athlete. Um, volleyball and basketball, he was actually better at both of those sports than he was at football uh, coming out of high school. But football is where the the money is, and he's good enough to 
to make it in football as well. So he made that decision. First two years, not that great at Penn State. Junior year when Saquon Barkley and Trace McSorley were there and ran that offense uh, with Joe Moorhead. Um, he was dynamic, and you saw it last year. He, he built some chemistry with Ryan Fitzpatrick, and he's one of the most athletic guys at the tight end position. He's just got to figure it out, and the biggest knock on him is he can't block, so he's not a four-down tight end, but he's essentially just a bigger wide receiver. Yeah, some great insight. And, um, I mean, I'm looking at the running backs. I saw you sign Jordan Howard. You, you're you're going to draft a running back, aren't you? And uh, I would maybe even a first-round running back, maybe with a pick 26. I don't know. What are your thoughts on Dolphins drafting a running back? Yeah, I, I certainly think that um, drafting a running back is a, is a need. Uh, the guys under Howard have both been in the league for a couple years now, and Balaj and Miles Gaskin, and both have really proven that they are just that, a second- or third-string running back. Um, Howard at times is a number one running back. I mean, he's had a couple seasons where stats wise, he's been a number one guy, but the injuries are a little bit of a concern with him and he just hasn't been overly consistent throughout his career. Um, with the dolphins, I'm not, I'm not convinced that I would take a running back in the first round just because you can find a really good running back in the second or third rounds. Uh, and they have so many other areas where I think you'd rather grab a guy like you'd rather grab a first rounder in the offensive line. You'd gra- rather grab an edge rusher in the first round. Um, I'd even rather grab a wide receiver. This year's wide receiver class is, is incredible. I'd rather grab a wide receiver in the first round as well than a running back. But I think you're going to draft uh, a running back in this year's draft. And if not, same thing like you have with quarterback with Fitzpatrick, you can stay in there for a year or two and wait until you find your guy. Jordan Howard can be here for at least a year, maybe two, and wait until you have your guy as well. And uh, is there a running back you'd like to see them go after, a realistic second round or third round running back? You know, I honestly haven't even really looked at the running backs yet in this draft because (laughs) with the Dolphins, I I feel like I've looked at so many other positions, and running back to me is – you know, I, I go back to when Saquon Barkley was drafted by the Giants a couple of years ago, number two overall. Obviously, I love to see that because Barkley's a Penn Stater and I love to see him be drafted as high as he was. But I'm just not a big proponent of drafting running backs that high. And so if the Dolphins went this entire draft without back, grabbing a running back, I would be totally fine because... Uh, I think they have so many other needs. You can't really name a position where the Dolphins probably don't need it right now. Um, so I really haven't looked at, at running backs too much. Um, and, and with the Dolphins, you know, I, I think that those three guys that they have right now for what they're going to be this year, they're going to be okay. Um, but if I if I was to look at a running back in, like you said, second or third round, uh, the, the guy I'd probably look at, and he might even drop to the fourth round, depending on where everyone goes, is uh, LaMichael Pirine from Florida. Um, I really liked his explosiveness. I, I thought he was a good running back that flew under the radar because you had a, a bunch of really stellar running backs this year in college football. Um, but I think Pirine's a guy that'll probably be a third rounder, maybe even a fourth rounder, and you might as well take a shot on someone like him. Interesting. Uh- Jack, appreciate you joining. That's uh, some really, really great insight into the Dolphins. As I said, as an outsider looking in, I'm actually quite excited about the project that you're building and um, especially keen to see how you go in the draft, um, you know, with the future in mind. So 
uh, we'd love to have you on again, uh, you know, during the season or maybe after the draft, especially with all the picks you've got, uh, <laughs> just to see how things go down and how you're, fe- how you're feeling. But just from, from me, thanks for joining. It's been great having you on. And uh, I, pr- yeah. I know you mentioned or we mentioned Quiet Sundays. That's actually out very soon. So I'm looking forward to finally watching the um, entire production on that. Yeah, the entire documentary is uh, out. Uh, I know once this, uh, once we're, we air it a couple times live for select audiences, we're going to try to find a streaming platform that we can send it out for uh, the masses so everyone can watch. So uh, hopefully in the coming weeks, that'll be out and uh, we'll be able to share that on, on all our social media. So that'll be good. Perfect. Well, uh, thanks again for joining. I said, we'll definitely look forward to having you on. It was a tremendous insight and um, yeah, good luck to the dolphins this year. Yeah. Yeah, Thank you very much. Yeah. Thanks. Okay. Thanks for listening to our AFC East breakdown and thanks to our guests, Migs, Cash, Steve, and Jack. Tune in next episode as we break down the NFC East with the Eagles, Cowboys, Giants, and Redskins. Take care.